Hey everybody, this is Taylor and you're listening to Asking for a Friend. On this podcast, I ask pastors and other Christians God has put in my life some candid questions about how to live out our faith and engage with the world as followers of Jesus. All questions are on behalf of my friends, of course. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody. We're back. We are on a little recording um, streak, you know, I'm being good about recording episodes. And this week we have a very special guest, one of my favorites. Uh, I'm here with Emily. Hello. And we have an interesting topic today, but before that, (laughs) um, Emily, what is your favorite coffee shop around Arlington or Fort Worth or anywhere? Oh, okay. Anywhere. Gosh. Well, I was thinking in Arlington, which I probably go to Nehemiah Coffee the most. Mm-hmm. I, I like how much space they have. Yeah. And um, that it's quiet. Because when I go to a coffee shop to work, I want the calm aspect. I don't want oh, the bustle aspect. Like inclusion where it's constantly yes. just... Inclusion, grounds and gold. Those places I feel like are yeah. too chaotic for me to handle. Oh. And I run into people I, I know, <laughs> and then I get distracted and yeah. I stop working. So. It That's loses its productivity mm. when I go to those places. Yeah. But I would say I, I really like Inclusion's drinks. Mm. I think their drinks are really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I like Nehemiah, too. Mm-hmm. It's new. That yeah. could be part of it, too. Right. I've worn out all the other ones. That's but true. it is big, and the mm-hmm. area it's in is pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite in all of everywhere is probably Cherry Coffee Shop. I like their drinks. I haven't been there. But it's, you can't sit in there. They have like Mm. three tables. So it's kind of like, why would I pay $7 for a drink just to leave with it? Where is that? It's uh, on Magnolia in Fort Worth. But it's good. Those are cute coffee shops down there for sure. Yeah. They're just teeny. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good transition. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Today we're going to talk about feminism yes I almost called it a fun topic but I'm not supposed to do that anymore because <laughs> so, they're all so because they're all fun yes um but yeah we're just going to talk about uh Christianity and feminism mm-hmm. and how those things intersect yeah or don't intersect oh, Ooh, okay <laughs> who knows yeah um so I guess uh these like more controversial episodes I feel like the definitions are helpful sure so how would you define feminism like either what it actually is or how people use the word, Mm -hmm. anything like that? Well, I would say just the very broad strokes, general definition of feminism um, would be the advocacy for women's rights. But I think that the word feminism itself carries a lot more weight and baggage than that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I said, broad strokes, definition, advocacy for women's rights. Right. So do you think that has maybe, like, the definition has shifted, mm-hmm. like, how people use it today? It's meant different things in different eras. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so feminism itself, there's, um, you would define in terms of waves, the first wave mm-hmm. of feminism, the second wave of feminism, third wave. Um, first wave of feminism is what we would kind of consider as, like, the suffragette movement, um, like, at least for in the United States from the late 
1800s to early 1900s would be, you know, the advocacy for women to have the ability to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was the specific yeah, issue. Yeah, that, that was the specific issue. Um, and there, there might have been more, you know, <clears throat> a little bit more than that, but that was the main um, uh, ambition for that group was to gain that right. And so that happened in 1920 with the 19th Amendment. So that gave, you know, eligible women the right to vote. So <laughs> eligible meaning that, you know, they had to be citizens, they had to be a certain age. So yeah. no, it did not grant every single woman the, the ability to vote. But mm-hmm. yeah. And then the second wave of feminism, um, that was like in the 60s and 70s. So that was um, probably what when people talk about feminism now, there's the connotation that came with this second wave and that would be kind of like where we have some problems or pushback um i think the second wave of feminism did a few good things um it you know um promoted equal rights in the workforce Mm -hmm. so the ability to get a job the ability to be paid equally as a man you know those things are important and you know i wouldn't have the job that i have probably um if it wasn't for that movement Um, but then you also had kind of the other things that went with that movement, such as like the sexual revolution, um, pushback against gender roles, rights for, um, yeah, bodily autonomy, like abortion, birth control, you know, Mm -hmm. all the different things that kind of go with that movement are things that, um, are much more controversial than like just, you know, the ability to vote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so then you have the third wave of feminism, which people would say started in the nineties, 1990s. And then you could say, I've heard some people say that it's still going on today or that we are currently in the fourth wave of feminism, but you could say, you know, you could lump those two together. And basically that wave of feminism is just much more inclusive. Um, and it's basically for any person who's marginalized. So not just women. Okay. It would be people of color, you know, um, Oh, interesting. People with the LGBTQ movement, um, you know, the, just anyone who's marginalized, we need to be advocating, advocating. for their rights. So, so that would be fourth wave. Like you what could say would... that that could be part of the third wave, or you could say that that's the fourth wave. Either way, they kind of blend together. And so like with the Me Too movement, all the, Kind of like the shakeup in terms of like, you know, that that specific movement in Hollywood and yeah. kind of its trickle down effects into other work for workplaces. Um, mm. You could definitely, I think, make the argument that we're in the fourth wave or you could still lump it. Yeah. You know, it's still kind of like. But it's just broadening. And yeah. More yeah. It's, it's things more, they care about. Right, much more inclusive of of just advocating for women's rights. So, hmm. Yeah. Um, so you already mentioned a couple just in Mm -hmm. that, but what are some of like the markers of the feminist movement? Yeah. So I would say abortion is a big one. Um, that was, you know, um, in the seventies, 1973, I think of Roe v. Wade, that was part, you know, part of that movement, um, which was the, um, the right for a pregnant woman to seek out an abortion and have abortion Right. that gave her, um, legal precedent for that um and then like what i was saying before with like the sexual revolution um women who were um pushing back against the typical man woman um relationships so a lot of like um yeah just uh different types of relationships Mm -hmm. i think came out of that era um and then also just like 
kind of the idea of being much more promiscuous. Yeah. Um, okay. Sex outside of marriage is okay. That that kind of ideology, a lot of that was just promoted during that era. Um, and then you also see like, um, you know, a lot of just pushback against things that are feminine. So, mm. and the reason for that would be that the typical traditional feminine things that um, they were pushing back against were what they considered to be oppressive of right. women. So, like, the symbol would be, like, burning bras, you know? That was kind of, like, men's oppression of women, so we're going to burn our underwear, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, just push back against, like, beauty products and high heels. So it's actually, you know, the look of a feminist was pretty specific in that era because it was pushing back against what the traditional woman looked like mm. for so long. Yeah, which is super interesting because I feel like, it's evolved so much mm-hmm. from that. Yes, yeah. But, yeah. Mm. There's a term nowadays that is called um, lipstick feminism, which is, um, I mean, there's so many different sects yeah. of, of feminism, so many different branches and terms. But, um, yeah, lipstick feminism, meaning, like, the, the women today who are, like, kind of in, you know, your typical average Netflix series who's, like, yeah. you know, championing women's rights, but still is, like, doing all the things that, that are, women like, do. Yeah, yeah, that women do. <laughs> like, makeup, so. heels. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. All of it. So. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I guess what that matters for us, mm-hmm. um, like, I feel, I feel like Christians get this pushback a lot, um, but are Christians against feminism, mm-hmm. and why might people think that? Okay. So I, I would say that the reason that people might think that is because feminism is so broad and kind of a mixed bag in terms of what you're actually referring to. Yeah. So if you were specific in saying, like, advocating for women, like, mm. that is in no way against the Christian ideology. In fact, the Christian ideology did so much in terms of advocating for women. Like, Christ really um, pushed and elevated the status mm-hmm. of women. Um, so it just, it kind of, you know, it changes, it changes, you know, in era. Yeah. And it also changes person to person of what you actually mean. So yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I would say that the, the Christian ideology promotes women, that they champion women and value women, but there's lots of things that are part of the feminist movement that definitely go against, um, what Christians value. Mm, so, so for that reason, people would say like, oh, Christians hate women. Or feminism. Yeah. Maybe not women. (laughs) People would probably say, yeah, Christians are against feminism because of the fact that, like, you know, Christians are Mm pro-life. If you're pro-life, you can't be a feminist. That's typically, like, the kind of ideology and and arguments that you get. Hmm. Um, I've heard this one, too, but does Christianity view men as superior or more valuable than women? I feel like... A lot of times when maybe girls my age or even younger are coming to the faith, like, that's a big issue for them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, why would I want to be part of this religion where there's so many restrictions on me? Things mm-hmm. like that. So um, I would say that uh, Christianity does not place a higher value on men than women. Um, in Genesis, it says that God created them in his own image, men and or male and female. So, you know, as a woman, I am an image bearer of God, and that makes me valuable, just as valuable as men. I think there's 
um, misappropriations to certain passages in the Bible that um, mm-hmm. are, are what people kind of go to in terms of thinking that men are more valuable or more superior. Um, and I, I think that anything that, um, any sort of application that makes men elevated in terms of value is incorrect. So I would say that they're just interpreting incorrectly and, um, yeah, just kind of like utilizing something to gain power, gain authority, gain control. Do you mean like men using these passages to do that? Yeah. I mean, if that's, if that's the argument is that men are more superior or more valuable, um, I think most of the time that that's going to be men who are championing that. I don't know many women who champion that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I would just say that if there, if men, if if men slash people are using parts of the Bible to dominate or oppress women, that they are misinterpreting and misapplying mm. those passages. Hmm. So, um, I guess that kind of leads me to thinking like. Um, are men and women equal and can Mm -hmm. men and women do the same things? So that's kind of like a feminist idea. And Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just wondering like how that would fit into Christianity or even Mm -hmm. compare with the teachings of, Mm -hmm. of the Bible. So what I would say is that if you're talking, when you say are men and women equal, I think it, that you still have to like say what you mean. Yeah. Because are men and women equal in value yes like that's what the bible states but are men and women interchangeable no Mm. so equality what do you mean by that do you mean that they're interchangeable do you mean that they're of equal value like you know yeah so um there's different views there's different positions that um churches um or denominations or religions would hold to within um uh, interpreting scripture one position is um, complementarianism, and that would be that w- men and women have equal value, but they have different roles right. and play a different part in the design of God, God's design and his plan. Um, and then there's egalitarianism, and that would be men and women are equal, and they have the same role and function within God's plan and design. So it's kind of just a different interpretation mm. of those specific passages that reference this kind of thing um so what was your exact question (laughs) (laughs) just like are they equal and can they do the same thing okay can they do the same thing so this would kind of play into what um can they do the same thing um so i think you know in terms of the workforce for example i think men and women can do the same things you know i think that um that that was part of our um uh you know one of the good things that came about from the second wave was that you know women can excel and and be in the workforce and be paid equally so in one sense i think yes in another sense like um you know if you took a man and a woman and said you know can women do literally every single thing that men can do? No, but you can also turn it around and say, can men do every single thing that women can do? The answer is no, you know? Right. There's differences in our anatomy. There's differences in our psychology, in our spirits. 
So, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can go, go as far as say that everything men can do, women can do. And I don't think you can say the reverse, you know? Right. And so. I think the problem is people view that as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like they view that as oppressing women or not right. giving women opportunities. But I mean, it's not, I just, and maybe it's cause like we're so in it, you know, like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to think like maybe a non-Christian feminist would think, mm-hmm. but it's so hard for me to wrap my head around like why that's such a bad thing. That men yeah. and women were created for different things and excel at different things. Yeah, I think that's part of um, that a narrative that's pushed. Um, and I, I think that that's an okay thing to believe. And yeah, I mean, it, like we, we do have differences and I think that that's a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like um, there's lots of things that women excel at that men don't. And I think that's awesome, you know? Um, that's kind of what, how like really great partnerships are formed is that in one area where you're weak, maybe your partner is stronger, you know? Um, and so, and to just say that like, oh no, we have the same exact, you know, skills and strengths and, and our weaknesses are the same too. Like we're not going to be able to build each other up really. Yeah. And it almost devalues the Mm -hmm. gifts that God has given each, Mm -hmm. uh, sex, Right. But, yeah, it is just super it, – it's it's interesting to think about. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's hard, too, because I feel like this is how it is with all of these issues we talk about. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, people people's definitions of the words are always different. Right. And people view um, – like when the government – they always view everything as the government trying to take their rights away. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're saying I can't do this. That means that you are devaluing me. When yeah. it's, that's not always – the same thing. Right. Um, I just, when people put their identity into something mm-hmm. that's not God, they get, you know, yeah. emotional when uh, people talk, speak against it or try and take it away. Right. Yeah. And, and I think people's experiences play into it too, mm-hmm. which I mean, I can't, you know, like us not having the same experience is going to form our ideology, you know? Yeah. Um, like I went to a private Christian school and I didn't really view anything that came that that I was like in any sort of way um was oppressed but people who I have seen on Facebook since then would post these stories and I'm like wow like we went to the same high school we were in the same classes we had the same teachers and your story at least sounds very different (laughs) I don't know if it if it you know I'm not saying that they're lying but just of like we had very different experiences. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think that really plays into it. And just like you said, you know, like uh, uh, your identity too. Like if you're, if you're first identifying as a woman, then yeah, like you're going to fight for that, you know, that's who you are. So, yeah, it's going to be really important to you. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Um, I guess this is one, this is even controversial within the church. So Mm -hmm. now it's not even like a Christians versus Mm non-Christians thing. Um, This is something that Christians still argue about. Um, Can women be pastors? And like what are the scriptures that people are using to be like. To back this up. Yes. Because this is one that we 
hear about a lot. Or like right. I was reading last week that the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. they recently, um, that big church in California. Back. Yes, yeah. they like they kicked unsponsored out. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> F- because they just promoted a woman as the head pastor. Well, actually, so she wasn't promoted as a head pastor, but she was given the title of pastor. Oh. So actually, this couple that is now the the lead pastors of Saddleback are from Arlington. Or at least we're in Arlington for a while, so I know them. Oh, yeah, they. Um, that's interesting. And Andy Wood, he, uh, he, was the head of a, a college ministry, college church that I went to for a few years. So, um, so it's just weird that that coincidence, you know, kind of. Is happened. it his wife that got promoted yes, to pastor? It's his wife. So I, I mean, I have really no, you know, knowledge of like how they teach yeah, or their yeah, like that specific but, situation. Yeah, I just saw that that they were at Saddleback now and got appointed. And Hmm. I was like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) Weird coincidence. But yeah, so there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of controversy over this. Different denominations and different churches um, have a different stance on this. All of it, you know, reverting back to complementarianism and egalitarianism. Um, The passages specifically... We can get into that. Um, 1 Timothy 3, um, it talks about the qualifications of being a overseer in the church. So it says, you know, a pastor slash elder, and then it gives a list of qualifications. Um, and it does not actually specifically say that it must be a man, but it uses words that we obviously like infer we're speaking about a man. Mm. So it says, you know, it must be fa- he must be faithful to his wife. And it talks about his children must obey him, you know, things like that. So it doesn't say it must be a man, but it says it uses the male pronouns. So you kind of infer that they're talking about a man. But um, later in that passage, when it's talking about deacons, it uses the exact same list of qualifications. And then it also is inclusive of women. So people look at those passages and say they they come away with different things, basically. Right. They look at it. Some of them look at it and say, yeah, like this is a man. This is the qualifications are for a man to be in this position. Um, And then other interpretations would be that, well, no, like it doesn't specifically say that it must be a man. And then later on it talks about you know, including women, it, it includes women. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think that that's where the, the holdup is problem lies Hmm. is that it's kind of something that we kind of have to tease out and maybe do a little bit of inferring. And there's always like possibility for error or misapplication. Um, there's another passage that is linked to this kind of issue a lot. Um, and it's uh, 1 Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. 34. It says a woman should remain silent in churches. They're not allowed to speak. Um, <laughs> and then it, you know, there's a few more parts of it. The end of that says it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. So that's kind of another passage um, that people use to talk about this. There's others. This is not right. all encompassing, but those are two kind of big ones. Um, and that specifically, I think... Uh, well, okay, I back up. Um, there's camps that would say women cannot speak in church. There's that group of people. Like, like can't even talk? Yeah, like that there's these, you know, I would, 
like from fundamentalist churches who like say the woman's place is you know to be submissive in church to not speak and to ask their husbands like those churches exist mm. um but there's other interpretations of this passage that say well actually paul is speaking to a specific church that had circumstances going on and that this um this is not a universal rule for women within the church um so in in corinthians there was uh I think that there's the hypothesis that there was a group of women who were um, falling prey to false doctrine, false teaching, and then coming into the church and bringing that false teaching into the church. Um, and it talks about, at the beginning of this passage, it talks about like good and orderly conduct in worship. Right. So um, there's the interpretation that, yeah, that Paul is talking to a specific body of believers not the church all in women general. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um because it also talks about like paul also says in first corinthians in um chapter 11 it says um every woman who prays or prophesies um she should have her head oh so it says without her head uncovered dishonors her head so it's like you know he's saying it's okay for women mm-hmm. to pray and prophesy right um, but then in a passage later, he says a woman should not speak in church. So like where, you know, yeah, like there's two different kind of, um, things to look at. Yeah. Things Markers, to look at. Yeah. I don't think you can just look at that one specific passage and say, this is applicable to every single woman in the church because Paul's clearly, clearly saying a woman can pray and prophesize, prophecy, prophesize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like saying that weird. Um, I guess my thing, and this is like off script, but I just wonder, is it like a personal conviction thing? Because what if someone maybe was raised in a church where Mm -hmm. they would say, like, maybe a woman shouldn't be a pastor. And that's what Mm -hmm. we fundamentally believe. Like our church, I think that's where we land. Like women aren't pastors here. Well, so Park Springs would, it's not written in policy, but it would hold to the complementarianism view Right. That men and women have equal value, but that we have different roles. Right. And so that, yeah, Park Springs would not officially give our, like, they don't call Mandy, who's our children's director, they don't call her children's pastor. Right. Which is what some other churches would do. So I guess, like, my question would be, mm-hmm. is it wrong to go to a church that has a woman titled pastor? Yeah, like, or like, <laughs> or like just based on that alone, like you want to go to a different church. I guess there's lots of nuances in the church that people leave it for. I think so. I think that, um, I think there's a lot that would play into this for me personally. I would say, um, like I wouldn't necessarily look at the church staffing page and say, well, no women are, are titled pastor. So therefore I will not go to the church, (laughs) but I would look at and say like, are women, uh, are women championed? Are women included in leadership? Are women doing ministry? Are women flourishing in your church? You know, so those are the things mm-hmm. that I would look at versus like, you know, this church says pastor, therefore, yeah, I'm not going to go to it. Mm, that's a good um, mindset. But I think there's different, you know, there's different stances. I think what you said, or is it a personal conviction? Um, maybe I don't. I don't know. Well, because I just feel like someone might hold really strongly to that. Yeah. Maybe for good reason, but also maybe for no reason. And it's like they stop coming to a church because yeah. a woman is in leadership. Yeah. Um, or vice versa. Like, 
you don't have any woman pastors, so I'm not going, you know, right. like you just said. Yeah. But I, then I think that's a bigger issue of just like, do people take <laughs> things too seriously that well, shouldn't matter as much? Yeah. I think the first thing that we're called to as believers is, um, obedience, you know, so men and women are both put under that. It's not just women who are obedient. It's men and women who are obedient. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, I just say, like, what's the motivation for that stance? Is the stance based on <laughs> yeah. biblical truth and conviction? Or is it, this is how I've seen it play out. This is what I think is best. Where are you, you know, drawing that uh, motivation from? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that this is an okay place for us to have differing opinions. Yeah. You know, there's certain things in the Bible that um, you really that it's just so explicit that you can't, you know, back away from. And I think this is one of those areas that it's okay to have a differing opinion because as you can see, like lots of people within the church do. And I would say, um, yeah, that it, it, it can be a controversial topic. Right. So, and I don't think that there's like a, a mandate that we're like, you know. Yes, like it has to be this way, or your church is right. not yeah. good. And and I think that um, for me personally, like this is not a hill that I would ever die on. You right. Know? Um, this is not something that I would be like. Yeah, like they they don't have women on staff, so therefore I cannot go to that church. It would bother me immensely, and I would question, you know, kind of what's going on in the health of that church. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think that as I've, as I was younger, um, my first kind of like go around of college, I was, um, pretty staunch on like my view as far as like, you know, I need to advocate for myself, you know, women do need to be represented. Um, I think because you're kind of a product of where you are, you know, you're, you're immersed in, um, yeah, college that's promoting, mm-hmm. you know, an ideology and a narrative. And I'm not saying that those that, that that's a bad thing to champion at all. I just, as I have grown a little bit more, I just have a different perspective in that, like I said, this is not a hill I'm going to die on. Um, because at one point, I think God just really convicted me. Um, I was laying in bed one night and I just kind of like, this is such a like kind of a dumb realization but um I just kind of realized like Christ gave up his right to live Mm. so why should I be fighting for my earthly rights you know yeah like he didn't he gave up everything he had you know a right to um defend himself against his accusers he gave up that right you know he was silent when he stood before his accusers he he literally gave up his right to live, you know, he sacrificed himself. So when I put it in juxtaposition to that, yeah, it kind of <laughs> leads me to think like, you know, it's okay to be, um, oppressed in a way because Jesus was, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's okay to be, um, persecuted because Jesus was, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of life. You right. Know? So mm, that's a really good point. Yeah. 
And it, like you said, it makes everything pale in comparison. It it's like, am I really going to throw a fit about this? Yeah. 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 And that, that's not like an always, it's not an easy, yeah. you know, or a light kind of like argument. Um, because I think a lot of times like a trivial kind of quip would be like, you know, Jesus is the answer, you know, like, yeah. but when you really do think about it in that perspective, I think it just helps you to realize like like Jesus was a servant to all Mm. so why am I over here fighting for my right for my voice to be heard you know yeah I don't know that's just kind of what God convicted me of and so since then I've just been a little bit more humble in my the way I proceed Mm -hmm. in regards to this topic yeah so. Which can be applied to every topic that we sure. feel like is, yeah. oh, this is make or break for me. It's yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, especially all the ones we've been talking about lately. I think that really mm-hmm. applies. Um, I guess where we can end, um, like these are some very strong words I've heard about Christianity. And honestly, when I first heard this word, I had to look it up because I didn't know what it meant. Okay. But um, I do feel like people just largely view Christianity as oppressive which mm-hmm. is a word you've used already and misogynistic yeah so can you kind of like maybe describe those words and also just I don't know just like mm-hmm. where like where are these where are these things coming from okay and how can we answer to that and be okay. like <laughs> I don't know if I can answer all these questions <laughs> but um okay as far as like oppressive and misogynistic being in a male dominated and um domineered and abusive situation would be kind of my rap like yeah in a nutshell of those two kind of ideas um and where does that stem from I think that well what does misogynistic mean um well I mean doesn't it it means that the male dominated like okay that is okay yeah yeah let me double check <laughs> that I'm giving a good um, definition. Hatred, contempt, or prejudice against women. Okay. So, I mean, that's, yeah. So it kind of takes it, like, past, like, um, not giving rights, but almost, like, aggressive anti-women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is where, you know, like, the oppression right. and domineering plays into effect. Okay. Um, I would say that um, probably that this stems from just the historical status of women versus the actual biblical principles outlined Um, in, you know, most uh, governments and eras in time, women were not considered citizens you know, they were, their status was super low. You know, they couldn't earn, they couldn't earn money. They couldn't hold property. They didn't have the right to decide things for themselves. Hmm. And I think that that's just a historical reality. It's not so much a, um, you know, that it has a foundation in the Bible. Yeah. Or that it's uh, strictly Christians feel yeah, this way. Right. Right. That's what I, yeah, this is saying like most governments, most, yeah. you know, um, kingdoms or, you know, just throughout time, that's just how women have been 
viewed and treated, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what I said before is that Christ came and really elevated the status of women. Women were not allowed to learn, be educated, sit at rabbi's feet. Um, but Jesus associated with women, not only women, but scandalous women, you know, prostitutes, like he showed that he did value them. Um, he mm-hmm. let, you know, the story of Mary and Martha, you know, the sisters who are saying, one says, you know, she's, she's not helping me clean and serve. She's just sitting there listening to you. The fact that she was sitting at his feet, um, what I've, you know, heard from other speakers before was that she was, you know, that, that is a status of a student. And so he was allowing her to receive education, you know, like in, yeah, in that, you know, he's sitting there teaching her. So Jesus elevated the status of women. He, um, you know, he appeared to women after his resurrection. Right. You know, and so for for someone to come in and say, like, that that um, the Bible is misogynistic, I don't think that they have an accurate picture of what the Bible really says about women. Yeah. Um, I, I guess they just get it from, like, like from the outside how it mm-hmm. may seem that christianity restricts women mm-hmm. like in terms of um like the passage the, of not being able to speak yes that yeah. that would be a good one to yeah. look at but also the ideas of purity mm-hmm. um the ideas yeah. of modesty but, which we've talked about right before. but i would say that you know the bible holds both men and women under that same um scrutiny you know that that men and women need to be pure you know, right. in Proverbs, it talks about, you know, the fool, and it's always portrayed as a man, you yeah. know. Um, and yeah, and like in, in the New Testament, it talks about, you know, men and women submitting, like husbands and wives submitting to one another, not just women, mm-hmm. uh, wives submitting to husbands. It says that they should submit to one another. Um, <clears throat> so I think the people who have that viewpoint are just not actually aware of how the Bible really talks about like actually the actual passages and maybe they do know like the specific one about the um, not being able to speak but like I said like there's different interpretations of that and one interpretation is that um, that that's not a universal rule for women in right. the church so I mean I don't know that I can really answer in in you know yeah, broad strokes is like why um, <laughs> people think that the Bible is misogynistic other than this, those kind of instances. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bible holds us to be pure and not just us women. It, yeah, it wants that for men too, or it, it calls that out for men as well. So, I mean, in the, in the qualifications for being a leader or being an elder, it says he must be faithful to his wife, you know? So, I mean, and yeah. then it lists other qualifications. That's purity, you know? Right. So, I don't know. It, it It's hard to bring it all down to, like, one specific thing. Um, I think there's other things, like, in the Old Testament, like, old Levitical laws that you can kind of, like, <laughs> you know, point that out. There's a specific one. I'm reading through that yeah. right now, actually. And so that's why this is kind of fresh on my mind. But... There's a Levitical law that says when um, dedicating 
people to the Lord, they should put forth a certain amount of money and that money is to be set aside. Yeah. The reading from like a couple days ago about the value, like the worth. Yes. Yeah. So it talks about a woman should be worth this amount of shekels. (laughs) And then it says the man of the same age should be worth this amount of shekels. Yes. I remember. Yes. But if you don't look at all of that passage and have a little like contextualization you take that at its value and say well yeah it says a woman's less than men yeah but um like it also says like an older man is worth this amount of shekels and it's less than the woman yeah it says a young boy is this amount of shekels and it's less than the woman yeah so it's not saying men in general it's saying of a specific age and the reality is that men of the you know breadwinning age or the you know, the provider type age is that like 20s to 50s or whatever. They were the ones who had the money, you know, they were the ones who were yeah. providing and could do the work and could do the work. We're able bodied. Yeah. So it's it's more of like a, the financial burden is less for a woman mm-hmm. than her value being less. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think people can take any number of verses or passages from the Bible and say, look, this is, you know, this is what it says. So therefore, <laughs> it says right here. yeah. But like I said, I just think that that's misinterpreted and misapplied. Yeah. And, and I, like, I think with this episode, we're getting to the same conclusion as same conclusion as a lot of the other ones we've done, where it's like, you have to read the Bible as a whole mm-hmm. and you have to look at multiple scriptures mm-hmm. and not pull out one verse and be like, right. this verse says that this is okay. Or this yeah. is not okay. Yeah. Um, which you know, in culture, like that's mm-hmm. that's what they do. They can pull out the individual verses and point yeah. at that and be like, "This is why Christians are bad" or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then you know what I was saying earlier about like Jesus associating with women. You know, Paul, who was the one who actually wrote the women should be silent, mm-hmm. and how he then also said, "Well, women can pray and prophesy." Well, he also mentions several women in ministry you know he mentions um lydia she was responsible for converting her entire household Mm -hmm. like i don't think she converted her entire household without speaking (laughs) um and then phoebe it it literally lists her as a deacon yeah servant of the church and then priscilla um it says that priscilla and her husband that they instructed apollos they you know maybe corrected some of his teaching you know right so um he mentions women throughout his ministry and and they're women who are actually doing ministry so i i just don't know how you draw the conclusion that it's oppressive of women and that you know that we're less valuable yeah should remain silent yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but i think i think this helped like clear up some hopefully clear up Mm -hmm. some things for the people listening just about um especially people you know, in the younger generations where all yeah. they see on Instagram, because I know that's all I see and mm-hmm. when I'm on Instagram. I, I need to go off of yeah. it. But just, like, um, this narrative that, like, society as a whole and everyone just de- devalues women. When, yeah. in my experience, and like you said, it's experience-based, but mm-hmm. that has not been the case, and yeah. I haven't felt that. Um, yeah, and I think it's just uh, not uh, wise to, to base things off of our personal experience and what we see playing out in like um social media yeah you know because these things change well they change and they're not always true Mm. you know it's not the same as going to person who you can verify something um and then with personal experience 
you can misinterpret what people say and mean you know there there is like you like there is nuance to things someone could say something to me and mean something different Mm -hmm. nowadays um like intention is kind of like thrown out the window you know Mm. and I just don't think that you can live like that I don't think that that is um something that is sustaining you know yeah so I think it's just pretty pretty narrow-minded to say like well you said this thing and therefore you know you're out like you know having a discussion having questions and then going to the Bible is yeah. where we should really draw these conclusions from. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Wait, this is actually the for real last question because okay. I skipped it. Can a Christian be a feminist? Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It just mm. it just matters. Like, what you what do you mean? You know? Yeah. Well, and I think the I think the biggest thing that you said earlier in relation to this is like, do you identify first as a Christian yeah. or do you identify first as a feminist? Right. But that applies to so many topics. Like, do exactly. you identify first as transgender or mm-hmm. homosexual mm-hmm. or anything like that? Or do you identify as a Christian? Right. How yeah. does that play out? Yeah. And, um, like, I honestly, like it would not give me pause to hear someone who would say that they're a Christian and then say that they're a feminist because nowadays, like, I just don't know what you mean. Yeah, that's it, very you know, true. Yeah. In, an era, in an era, like when I was growing up, um, I think it was a little bit more black and white of like you could say that you're a feminist and people would be like, oh, that means that you're this, this, and this. Yeah. But nowadays, like, I just don't know what that means to yeah. you. You know? No, so you're telling me that you're a feminist. Tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. You know? That's mm. where I would start that <laughs> conversation. Hmm. Because if you mean you advocate for women then I am too. (laughs) Yeah. So no, that's true. Mm -hmm. Can men be feminists? Yes. (laughs) There's a book at the library that lively has picked up several times and it's called baby feminist, or maybe it's called feminist baby. I don't know, but it's really funny. (laughs) I always pick it up and I'm like, Hmm, interesting. You know, (laughs) is this something we want her to read? I don't know. Yeah. She picks it up though. Cause it's a funny looking baby, you know? Oh yeah. So it's just kind of funny. (sighs) All right. Well, this was good. And now there's going to be feminists everywhere in our church. Probably so. (laughs) Or there's going to be people who are angry. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think we said anything anger invoking, hopefully. Hopefully Yeah, I think that um, the biggest thing is like we can have differing opinions and still serve Jesus Christ fully. Yeah. You know, Mm. so that's probably the bottom line. Yeah. (laughs) All right, we'll end it there. Thank you. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or feedback about the podcast, please email us at askingforafriend@psbible.com. For more information on our church, visit psbible.com.